Welcome back to another episode of the Mini Hoops Podcast. Uh, today, we're going to be discussing uh, the Western Eastern Conference Finals games. Uh, we'll also be talking about Ben Simmons and the recent coaching hires. So, uh, do you guys want to start by going into uh, Clippers-Suns Game 3? Yeah. All right. Um, so, obviously, there's no Kawhi in the series. He is... Uh, has been listed doubtful for Game 5 already. This is as of uh, recording Sunday. Um, so Paul George, Reggie Jackson have had to step up, uh, among others. Uh, Paul George has been he's been both good and, um, I don't know, good and criticized. Um, DeAndre Ayton is probably the biggest takeaway for me from this series. Um, he's really stepped into the spotlight although he's not really in the spotlight at the same time because it's Booker and it's Chris Paul and it's Paul George in this whole series. Um, but Aiton's kind of become just a walking double-double. I mean, last night he had, um, what, like, he had a double-double and four blocks. He had, like, what, 20 rebounds and 18 yeah. points or something like that? It was, like, an almost 20-20 game or something. It was, like, 19, I think, and 20-something rebounds. Right, 19 and, and 22. Rebounds is what Aiden finished off in 41 minutes last night with those four blocks. He that's right. He played the dominant. He had about the team high in minutes, didn't he? 41. I, th- I don't think anybody yeah. else played that, which is surprising from a center. But uh, or I guess Booker fouled out, so maybe he would have led the team, but whatever. Um, but either way, yeah, for me, uh, DeAndre Aiden is definitely the biggest um, thing that stands out to me. Um, he's really kind of solidified his number one overall draft position um so yeah that stood out to me for sure yeah he's also been like really efficient too for the suns um as with like chris paul and booker kind of been struggling shooting especially in game three um they did not shoot very well but uh ayton was he's been very efficient scoring which has helped them uh stay in these games and uh pull away from the clippers in the series he's kind of just that like paint paint scoring beast doesn't really take many jumpers or anything he obviously doesn't shoot threes i think he's yeah. attempted like two or three throughout the whole playoffs this year so he by is. no means a perimeter threat but uh just kind of dominates the paint yeah i def i definitely feel like aiden if he could work it on the offseason he definitely could extend his range because you know he's not a bad shooter from the mid-range too um but overall, like just with game four last night, it was just atrocious for both teams to watch, honestly. Both teams shot so poorly <laughs> throughout the whole thing. Yeah. The only real bright spot for the Suns was how dominant DeAndre Ayton was. And then you have Booker fouling out and then shooting eight for twenty two, uh, 0 for five for three. And then Chris Paul was missing some one of those uh, casual, uh, his normal uh, mid-range pull-ups, that kind of like step back that he always makes. He's missing a bunch of those down the stretch. But yeah, it was just a big, big rough offensively game in the whole second half of that. Yeah, it was definitely a very offensively challenged game in the last night in that first quarter. quarter. Mid eighties, what was it like eighty four to eighty one or something like that? Yeah, someone super it was low scoring like that. Eighty four to eighty was the final. 
Jesus. Yeah. 15 points scored for the Suns in fourth and 14 for the Clippers. Wow. So now that the Suns are up 3 1, uh, you guys think it's over? And if so, how many more games is it going to take? Suns going to close it out tomorrow? Personally, I think that Suns going back home, home court advantage. I got Suns in five. Sorry, Stein. <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean, as much as I want to root for the Clippers, I, I still want to see Rondo get another championship here. Um, uh, three to one is not a uh, easy comeback to make. So, I mean, Suns will probably win either the next game or game six. But I'll be rooting for the Clippers to win three in a row. Just got to keep that on the record there. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah, I think I think it's over for the most part. Um, I think another bad Devin Booker game and another bad Chris Paul game are very unlikely. Um, although Chris Paul was joking about being down 3-1 in his post-game interview. So, mm-hmm. you know, who knows? Maybe he could choke. But, um, yeah, I think... Like you said, uh, Mason, I think the Suns are going to go home, and I think they'll probably close it out. Game five, don't want to extend it anymore. But mm-hmm. who knows? I think it all relies on uh, basically how Book and Chris Paul do. If they keep, if they do shoot bad, you know, the Clippers do have some surprising spots with how good Reggie Jackson has been playing them as of late. Um, maybe if Paul George doesn't shoot five for 20, they could win the game. Uh, or miss two free throws. Um, hey, <laughs> well, uh, man. I don't know. It's it's all. I think it all based on how either if Book or Chris Paul can kind of carry the way, and then you obviously have Aiton playing insane already too. If he's locking down the paint, I think that this Sun scene is gonna win next win the next game and on to the finals. Like yo, right? Yeah, I think it's. Uh... They just have to be average, right? They just have to be like themselves. Mm-hmm. They just have to be decently efficient. You know, they just can't be. And Booker's been in foul trouble the last two games, right? Didn't he foul out of both of them? Or he had like five maybe in the yeah, previous I, game. I, I know him and Paul George have been butting heads too. They both had texts yesterday too. So that's another thing that could uh, affect the whole whole series if they are still going at it and what, let's say one of them gets kicked out of the game, you know, that could also just mess everything up for either team. Yeah, swing the momentum. Mm-hmm. I think Monty Williams is probably talking to the team about that composure, keeping mm-hmm. their heads clear. Um, let's pivot to the East. Um, series is currently 1-1 after the Bucks blew out the Hawks in Game 2. Um it's not really a whole lot to get in here, to get into here. Um, but is there anything that stands out? Anything that you guys want to touch on from game two? I was gonna say the the Bucks look really good after that last game. Um, I they kind of needed to win that and make a statement win because after losing game one. Uh, but uh, I don't know. They the Hawks are definitely gonna have to uh, figure something out. Uh, when they go back to Atlanta for the next couple games. Yeah, pivoting back to game one, how this Hawks team, they're, they're, they're surprised. They're, they, can, they can win against these big teams like the Bucks. They've surprised me this whole playoffs. But 
overall, like with game two, how it was such a blowout trade did not play well. There's only 15 points. Um, if if the buck or the if, sorry, if the Hawks want to win this series, Trey's got to shoot officially and step it up to the max, dropping 40 a game if they want to win this thing, in my opinion. But uh, overall, I think. Bucks kind of are going to be carrying momentum from yesterday or from uh, game two. And I think that the Bucks personally are going to win in five. I watched the, uh, I rewatched the first half of game two yesterday. Um, and the, the first half was basically the only significant part of the game. Yeah, but, the, uh, <laughs> uh, the Hawks did a really bad job defensively on Giannis, I think. They let him get a lot of one-on-ones, which mm-hmm. obviously is never going to end well with just about any player on the Hawks, or I guess you could say any team in the league, almost with Giannis. And never they had, Giannis. right? And the Hawks had so many turnovers in the first half. It was it seemed like every other possession they were turning it over. Um, the Bucks' role players are incredible. I think Pat Connaughton is super, super solid. Uh, Bryn Forbes is a sniper, and he was—he has no hesitation when he shoots. He comes screaming off of those off-ball screens and just fires away as soon as he gets the ball. Um, Don't forget Bobby Portis. How good of a shooter yeah, he's become this year. He's been unreal. Just an energy man, too. Hustler. Um, mm-hmm. And the Bucks went on a 20-0 to run in the second quarter, and that was really when it all fell apart. Um, there's yeah. really no looking back from there. Um, I think, I don't know. I want to say the Bucks in about five or six. Um, mm-hmm. But any game that Trey goes for about 40, which does not seem super unlikely, I think the Hawks have a shot. So I yeah. don't know. I think as of right now, I'd probably say Bucks in six. But I've doubted the Hawks so much so far in the playoffs this year that I'm kind of hesitant to do it again. But, yeah, I just think the Bucks are the better team through and through. Yeah, same. I, I think uh, Bucks should win in, like, five or six games. But I, I'm the same where I've been uh, – I did not expect the Hawks to even make it here. So they definitely could su- surprise some people. But who knows? Yeah, like I was talking about earlier, how the Hawks have already surprised me from beating the Sixers and now – Taking game one from the Bucks, uh, Gabe, you kind of also touched on my point where Trey's really going to have to step up and drop like forty a game if the if the Hawks want to stay in the in the series. Um, it's 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 like it still could happen. Like it is likely possibility because he can score. Uh, they are going back to Atlanta tonight as we're recording this. Um, and who knows? It just they've been such a surprise. You know what if they could, honestly the, the series could go to seven, but personally, I think it's going to end in five. Yeah, we'll see. Tonight's going to be a big one, for sure. Mm-hmm. Uh, ben Simmons. Um, so Ben Simmons news, it seems like every hour we're getting more information on Ben Simmons. Um, but as we record it, um, I took a look at this Bleacher Report article from Tyler Conway that says that Philly is still reluctant, quote, re- reluctant to trade Simmons. Um, Rich Paul... Ben Simmons' agent met with Daryl Morey and uh, the Philly GM, Elton Brand, to discuss the future of the organization with Simmons. 
Uh, there was no formal trade request made or no trade request at all. Um, but they did explore whether a deal, uh, quote, makes sense. Um, and according to Woj, uh, Simmons' trade value is still significant, which doesn't really give us a whole lot. I feel like that's not super helpful. Um, it's not really surprising. He's right. still a really good player. Yeah. Exactly. Um, and yeah, so we heard a little something that said it would take, I think Dane Moore said it would be two first round picks, some Eastern Conference executive said mm-hmm. for the Timberwolves if it doesn't include Cat or Ant that it's going to take at least two firsts to get into the conversation yeah mm-hmm. so I don't know um, I mean the trades that we talked up in the past uh, usually included at least two firsts um, I think a three team deal like we discussed the Bradley Beal one where it's Beal and Beasley to Philly um, and you know a bunch of other stuff bad contracts young talent and picks to washington and then simmons to uh minnesota two picks would be um i mean they'd get beal and they'd get beasley so they wouldn't really need picks there Mm-mm. so they'd be getting something from washington obviously um but yeah like i said there's always news coming out on simmons um have you guys heard anything significant of recent I have not, but I've seen a bunch of people online saying how intriguing the fit with uh, Simmons and Cat would be, and I also think how crazy it'd be as uh, it kind of just ex- uh, just let Cat more uh, space the floor out, and then we have that good perimeter defender also that can also block shots and just help Cat. Not having to, or because Cat really struggles on um, the pick and roll. He doesn't really know when to step up or to drop. And if you have Simmons there, you won't you won't really need any help there because he would kind of just. I feel like he'd just fit in perfectly and be able to stop that situation from even happening. Because yeah. he he prevents the drive and get, with his long arms can steal it or uh, even just tip the balls off to one of our other te- one of our other players. Definitely. That drop coverage with Cat has kind of plagued the Wolves for years um, with dudes not being able to fight through screens and stuff like that. So Cat has just been in that position trying to decide, you know, do I like almost switch and guard the ball handler or do I drop to uh, cover the lob? Um, it's a really tough position to put him in just repeatedly year after year. So yeah, yeah like you said, um, it'd be nice to get, Simmons, get through those screens and then you know, take some pressure off of Cat. Yeah, to, well, to go back to your question, I really haven't heard any new stuff besides the stuff you already talked about with Simmons. Um, but I, like, all these people have been saying, like, you know, no formal tra- trade request made. They're not going to make this stuff public. Like, they're not going to say if they want to keep him or not. Um, it's just internally, you know, I personally think they're going to move on and others, pe- other people think they're going to move on. I'd like to guys hear your opinion on it. What do you guys think? Uh, yeah, I mean, has like the Sixers have been a disappointment kind of in the East the last couple of years. So I can see why everyone's kind of trying to get them to move on. 
I don't really know if it's going to be like their best move unless they really find a great trade that they can get another star like Simmons like back immediately. So kind of like either that Bradley Beal or maybe Dame or something. But I I just don't really see that happening because I don't know if these teams are going to want to blow up their rosters to try and get Simmons. Yeah, I agree. Um... Like Dane Moore also said that uh, he talked to some executive that said that, you know, it might not take two firsts and some other talent or whatever, because um, he said that Simmons contract is not cheap. So it's really hard to pin down his value, which is, you know, we talked about that in the last episode, so we won't dive into that again. But um, yeah, I agree that um, I don't know if teams are going to be wanting to give up big assets for Simmons right now. Um, I think kind of switching to what Philly needs or what Philly could do this offseason. Kyle Lowry, of course, we've heard the rumors of Lowry to Philly forever. Um, I think that'd be a really good fit. He's like 35 years old. um, and He's from Philly. Right, and he'd be that perimeter uh, creation that they desperately need, especially if they don't have Simmons. They're going to need perimeter creation um so i think if i'm philly if i'm elton brand and daryl Morey, i'm definitely trying to get kyle lowry because i don't i don't see him going back to toronto uh it doesn't really make a whole lot of sense they're like mm-hmm. kind of rebuilding they're definitely they not get young. good so they want to get young um i could also see where if they philly does somehow sign lowry we could, like they could do the sign and trade three-team trade you know Maybe you send Rubio and a bunch of picks and some other cap fillers to give them to the Raptors for, and then you get still get Simmons to the Wolves, and then you get Lowry to uh, Philly. Yeah, I think. But if, I I won't dive into all of it, but yeah. I think as long as we're talking Toronto, uh, I just want to bring up Chris Boucher. Um, I've been a fan of Chris Boucher since last off season. He was a free agent, and um, I was hoping the hoping to see the Wolves sign him. Uh, it didn't obviously work out but um i doubt it would happen but it would be cool and it would be exciting to see him come over to minnesota in a trade a potential trade with toronto but like i said he had a pretty good year this year and so i kind of doubt that it would happen but um i do like chris boucher a lot yeah it's it really all matters so yeah with if they lose lowry what are they gonna do with like the fourth pick in the draft they're gonna are they going to move on from other players to get younger? We still really don't know. The East is so it's so questionable. Where Toronto could still even make a jump next year to get back into the playoff hunt. Right. Yeah. They just got, they just got they're stuck with or struck with injuries with Siakam being hurt, and then uh, was Lowry hurt too? Yeah, I think Lowry. he missed some time. Yeah, and it's just. So stuff like that. They have like, yeah, Boucher really stepped up this year with Siakam being out. And same with uh, Van, Van Vliet also had a pretty good year as well. So I'm just kind of curious what how they're going to approach things this offseason and, 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 yeah, and into next season. For sure. Um, so a lot of coaching hires have gone down since we recorded our last episode. Um, Rick Carlisle was hired by the Pacers. Um, oh, boy, how do I pronounce this? Ime Okuda 
was hired by the Celtics. Hopefully that's right. And then Jason Kidd, hired by the Mavs. And as of, I believe, this morning, Chauncey Billups was hired in Portland for the Trailblazers. Um, thoughts here? Um, personally, with the Pacers hire, I think they got a great hire. Uh, they kind of just, I just noticing back, they re- re-signed kind of uh, Rick Carlisle because he coached there from 2003 to 2007. Um, but... Rick Carlisle is still a great coach. He's only missed the playoffs five times in his 20 years coaching. Um, Incredible. I know. And he's had, he's had good, um, good power forwards with Dirk and or good like power forward center with Dirk. And I'm just kind of happy to see what he does with Sabonis. I was going to say the exact same thing. That's super interesting. Definitely should be good thing to look forward to next season for them. Um, I think uh, Billups in Portland is going to be an interesting uh, fit here. Like, I think Portland probably has, as the moment, the best roster out of these four teams. I don't know, maybe the Celtics. You want to compete with that, but uh, like, I want to see how Dame reacts to this because it's on Twitter. There might be some questions on the hire from him, but. I don't know. Well, I guess we'll have to see. Yeah, I think um, I'm definitely interested to see how that works, too. Because if Dame does get traded, you'd think that the Blazers would probably blow it up and then trade CJ and others. Yeah, yeah that'd definitely. Be, that'd be quite the, quite the turn for Billups if he got hired thinking he was going to coach Dame and CJ and other guys, and then he had you know some horrible roster because they decided to rebuild. Um but yeah, I'm definitely interested to see that. And then the Celtics uh, hire definitely intrigues me um, just because they've got a lot going on. Obviously trading Kemba and uh, Tatum kind of emerging as a superstar. Um, Jalen Brown coming back healthy after he missed some time at the end of last year. Um, people are expecting big things out of Boston. Um, and I'm just interested to see uh, how this hire works. Brad Stevens now in the front office. Um, kind of wild that one of his first moves super soon after he got in front office was trading Kemba. Um, so yeah, I'm interested to see where that goes. Yeah, I'm also really interested in that too because uh, Udoka has been just under the kind of apprenticeship, I say it right. And he's kind of been an apprentice to Greg Popovich while he was an assistant coach from 2012 to 2019 and when they won the, sh- won the ship in 2014. But I think that that's really going to also help uh, the Celtics this year, uh, just having that, that the coach that has been under a really good coach before. Um, I really don't know too much about him, but he does have a good roster. Uh, uh, another head coaching hire that kind of surprises me is with the Mavs hiring Jason Kidd. Yes, they're bringing him back to the team that he was on before, but I don't know. He's he's not really been a good coach, in my opinion. He's had a negative win-loss record uh, throughout so far in his coaching career. Uh, he got fired by Milwaukee in 2017-18, and then I did see that he signed J.J. Barea to be his one of his assistant coaches, so that's kind of funny. Yeah, that is kind of funny. 
he was technically on the roster last year, right? Even though he was retired, he yeah. wanted to give him like a one year deal to just, you know, be nice to him, I guess. Mm-hmm. So we talked about best fit or, you know, most significant hire. Who do you think is in the worst spot? I think for me, it's, it's Jason Kidd. Um, they have a disaster of a cap situation. Um, there's been rumblings of Luca maybe not being super, super happy there. Kristaps um, Porzingis' contract is disastrous. Um, they have a bunch of potential free agents, um, Tim Hardaway and, uh, and others. So I think that's, that's my situation on the Jason Kidd hire. Um, kind of indifferent when it comes to Kidd as a coach. Um, like you said, doesn't have a great record. So I don't, I don't love him as a coach, but I just think that situation is going to be really hard to, to manage for both Kidd and Cuban and everyone. And the, the new executive, too, they just hired, mm-hmm. who was some, what was he, a Nike executive for years or something like that? Yeah. It's an interesting jump. It's, it's, just, it's not going to help Kidd with, with like, obviously having the rumbles with uh, Luca coming, or Luca maybe wanting out in the future. Um, and then the fact where if it's more more on the GM side here where, I don't know, Chris Tops is on the atrocious deal. Maybe they have to flip them or something to make make their caps, uh, cap uh, larger so they can re-sign like a Tim Hardaway and get some assets for that. Um, what do you guys think about that? Uh, yeah, I mean, Chris Tops obviously took a big step down last season with his performance and even in the playoffs he looked absolutely terrible but I yeah and he's on that bad contract so I feel like the Mavs have to kind of do something to to get Luka to take the next step or whatever or the team to take a next step so I feel like you might have to try and get rid of Porzingis um and I don't. I'm not excited about the Jason Kidd hire to maybe try and take that next step. But I guess we'll see what happens. Yeah, I think it's it's super sticky situation. Um, I don't I don't see a whole lot of teams in the West falling off, which is kind of the worst thing for the Mavs. You know, Lakers, Clippers, Clippers maybe won't be there if Kawhi decides to leave, but. You know, they're up-and-coming teams, and I don't see a lot of teams falling off. So it's going to be really hard for the Mavs to get better this offseason or the next and really improve their standing in the West um, just purely because of competition. Um, I think the first move is definitely to try and get rid of that Kristaps Porzingis contract. I don't know how the hell they do that. Um, We're going to have to throw picks on there, man. Yeah, a lot of them. Do we even have any picks? Yeah, I think they still are giving away picks from the Porzingis deal with New York. We still gave them to New York, yeah. Oof, that's even worse. They might just—it's—it might end up being kind of a Russell Westbrook, John Wall type swap. Um, Oh yeah, just trading one really, really bad contract for another because. Although I don't know, it's not. I guess that's not super applicable because Porzingis is a lot younger than John Wall and Westbrook when that trade happened. But so maybe someone takes a gamble on his potential. But yeah, I don't know. That contract situation is a disaster, and they don't have any young talent either. 
It's like Jalen yeah. Brunson is basically it. Luca, <laughs> yeah. Yes. So, Luca's the entire team. Right, so I don't know what you can do there. Going on the last part, just after talking about all the coaches, who in your guys' opinion do you think is going to perform the best? Um, I think it's kind of a toss-up between Rick Carlisle and uh, Udoka, who I previously pronounced uh, Okuda, which is not the NFL cornerback. Um, because they both had kind of disappointing seasons, the Celtics and Pacers. Um, they finished lower in the Eastern Conference than they probably should have, although they both dealt with injuries. Um, I just think Rick Carlisle is going to work really well with that roster, um, especially Sabonis, as we talked about earlier. Um, Karis LeVert's going to have some time to kind of get his feet under him in, in uh, Indy, um, and I think he's going to have a big impact. Um, and the Celtics obviously switched up their roster a little bit, um, Horford is back. Uh, Kemba is out. Um, but yeah, I expect big things out of uh, the Pacers this year. Um, I expect them to make the playoffs for sure. So, yeah. So I'm kind of with Gabe here on the whole, well, I guess the, 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 with Carlisle, he's going to really help out Sabonis, I think, because of how good he coached Dirk back in the day. Um, and then with Udoka, I think coming from the Pop regime as he coached there for seven years as assistant under Pop, I think that could also be a big, big impact for the Celtics. Plus, like you said, how they moved uh, moved on from some players and added new players to the roster and some familiar faces as well. But I overall think that uh, both of those teams, uh, the Celtics and the Pacers, will have the biggest impact from a coaching standpoint compared to the Mavericks or the Trailblazers because how tough the West is. All right. And uh, which coach do you guys think will have the toughest time in this uh, upcoming season? Uh, I think it's probably going to be Jason Kidd. Uh, I just don't really believe in him as a uh, really good coach in the league. So, And the whole situation with Porzingis is kind of weird. Uh, so I think he'll probably struggle the most in his first year um i'm also pretty much going to agree with sign with jason kidd just based on his past coaching experiences with the bucks and the nets um just overall i think that dallas situation is kind of a struggle right now with the whole question mark on does luca want to play there anymore and with the whole porzingis thing and then as the uh, road back to the whole cap situation problem that they're having. But I think that Jason Kidd was going to have the biggest struggle coming into this year. But also, I feel like uh, with the Chauncey Billups signing in Portland, uh, he's never had a head coaching opportunity yet. He's only been the assistant coach for the Clippers, I believe it was this year. Um, and I'm just honestly curious if how Dame is happy with it. You know, it's really going to affect their future personally. What do you think, Gabe? Yeah, uh, I definitely agree with both of you guys. Uh, I think Jason Kidd is definitely going to have the toughest time um, having to manage Luka and all the, the egos there. Um, you guys talked about the cap situation. is pretty terrible. Um, as we talked about earlier, too, they don't really have any young talent to work with other than Brunson and Luka. I guess you could consider Porzingis in there, but you know he's in a 
problematic situation. Um, and yeah, I think the Trailblazer situation can get really uh, difficult as well, or it might get very difficult. You know, whether that's CJ being traded to Philly or Dame asking out and then being traded. So I think it can go it can go south really fast there in Portland. Um, but I think as of this moment, it's probably um, worse in Dallas. Well, those are some really good takes, boys. Uh, we'll see you next week.